Hollywood Community Church exists to shine as light in our homes, in our community, and in our world. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. We're glad you came. It's great to be back together again. If you would, please take out your Bibles and turn in them in the New Testament to the book of 1 Timothy and chapter number 2. And if you don't have a Bible, there should be one under a chair in front of you, and you could take that Bible and turn it to page 163, and you would find yourself at 1 Timothy chapter 2. I don't have to tell you that we're entering into the Christmas season now, being the first Sunday of December, and in our culture especially, when we think of Christmas, we associate Christmas with gifts. And some of the gifts that we get at Christmas time are especially memorable. And they actually turn out sometimes to be more memorable than we memorable than we initially even would think them to be. When I was 13 and it came time to ask my parents about something related to Christmas, I'll tell you what I was interested in getting. And that was a 10-speed bicycle. Now, you need to know that just a couple of years before that is when the United States first began to manufacture 10-speed bicycles. And I had a standard regular bicycle with no speeds to it, and I thought, man, what I really need is a 10-speed bike. And I was so excited about it. And I told my mom and dad, that's what I want. I want a 10-speed bike for Christmas. And I reminded them my favorite color is blue. So I was very excited that particular Christmas morning to show up, and then downstairs there was a bike sitting there. But it wasn't a blue 10-speed. It was a a used burgundy three-speed bike. And that was a little bit disappointing to me because I had my hopes up so high that I was going to get that because, you know, 10 speeds not only were 10 speeds and they were new, but they had those cool drop-down handlebars, and you knew if you had drop-down handlebars, you could ride that much faster. So I got that bike. Now, what was interesting is the next fall, I was taking my burgundy three-speed bike to a friend's house, and I stopped by King Louis West bowling lanes on the way, And I was just going to park my bike there and go in and grab myself a Coke and come back out. King Louie had the greatest Cokes that you could find in town. And uh, when I went in, got my Coke, came back out, my bike was gone. It had disappeared. And I was thinking to myself, who was coming out as I was going in? And I remember there were three guys I knew from my school And I immediately was thinking through those three guys, and I thought, you know what, there's one guy, I think he's the kind of guy who would have probably taken my bike. So I had to go and find and look up um, where his address was. I got my old bike out, rode to his house, and walked up to his garage. His garage was one of those kinds of garage doors that had all the windows in it, you know, and I looked up in the window, and yes, there was my bike. It had already been taken apart. It was half sanded down. You know, they were getting ready to repaint it so no one would know that it had been my bike. Well, what happened with all of that is, of course, we got the police involved, and then eventually we had an insurance settlement, and guess what? I had an opportunity to restyle my bike a little bit. With the insurance money, I got drop-down handlebars, and I had it painted blue. Now, it was still a three-speed, but no one else knew it was three-speed but me. And to me, that gift that morning was a cool gift, but it turned out to be far more than I initially realized. 
Well, you know, we're going to be doing, Mark and I, a series in this month of December that we have entitled The Gift. And of course, the gift is Jesus. But there's a lot of breadth to that gift. And the person of Jesus ultimately brought to us not only himself, but a number of other gifts that came. And today, what we're going to look at as we look at the gift is Jesus as our mediator. Jesus as mediator. That's one of the titles that he has given in the New Testament. And you know what's interesting about New Testament titles is they're very much like snowflakes. At first, they appear to be pretty much the same thing. But when you begin to zoom in on them and look a little more carefully, you notice that they're very unique. Everyone is, is unique. And so that's what we want to do is examine this title of Jesus. It's part of the gift that he brought to us at Christmas of being our mediator. So if you have your Bibles open to 1 Peter chapter 2, I want you to look at verse 5, a verse that may be familiar to many of us. It says, For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. So today as we look at this gift of Jesus as mediator, we're going to be looking at three things. Number one, we're going to examine the role of mediator. Then we're going to look at the requirements for a mediator. And then thirdly, we're going to look at the reality of a mediator that we have in Jesus Christ. So let's zoom in. Let's find out a little bit more about this gift that he brings us as his role as mediator. Let's look at the whole idea of being a mediator. Now, the word in the original language for mediator is mesites. It's M-E-S-I-T-E-S, mesites. That word is used only six times in the New Testament. It's an interesting word because it's derived from another word in the original language, mesos, M-E-S-O-S. And mesos just means middle. So he's a mesites. Basically, it means he is a middle man in some way. And that's really what a mediator is. A mediator is a go-between. A mediator is an intermediate agent. He is a liaison between two people. He stands between two parties, two parties that are at odds with one another, two parties that are out of accord with one another, and he seeks to bring these two parties together and to remove the differences between them. Outside of the New Testament, uh, this word was used in legal and business settings. It was used of someone who would function in the role of being an arbiter, an arbitrator, someone who would bring together two people who were in conflict. And when we use the same kind of terminology today, you know, in the world of labor and management, when there's a conflict and a dispute, you know what I'm talking about? They'll often, between labor and management, bring in a mediator, an arbitrator, who will stand between the two particular groups. We, we see the same kind of terminology being used in the sports realm. You know, when someone's cons being considered for a salary, and he says, well, I want this salary, and they say, no, we're going to give you that salary, and what do they do often? They go to arbitration. That's the idea. Many of you have heard me tell this story, but a number of years ago, my wife is a tremendous garage sailor, 
and uh, we held a garage sale. And at that garage sale, uh, some other family had donated a very, very fancy lady's belt. And there was a couple at that garage sale, and they actually stole the belt. And another guy who was at the garage sale witnessed it and talked to me about it, and we ended up reporting it to the police, and we just thought, no, that's just a wrong thing to do. It wasn't so much the money, it's just the idea that you would do something like that. And we didn't hear really how it was going to be resolved for a while, and then eventually I got this letter from the city of, of Norman, and here's part of what it says. As a result of this complaint, this matter has been referred for a formal mediation session as a first step in attempting to resolve the problem because I said they stole it. They said they didn't steal it. And it says the mediation session will be conducted by a trained mediator. The mediator will listen to both parties and provide an opportunity to reach a mutually acceptable agreement. The mediation session is a formal but out-of-court procedure designed to provide an opportunity to settle the complaint and avoid lengthy civil or criminal court procedures. Witnesses are not used in mediation as the session is between the parties to the complaint only. So I actually had a chance to experience this whole concept of a mediator, an arbitrator, between two parties, a go-between, a stand-in. And the whole idea of the function of a mediator is to remove the differences between the two groups, to reestablish harmony, to reconcile the parties. And it, here's what's interesting. In a sense, the mediator has to represent both sides. And what is really interesting is that in the, the spiritual realm, there is a problem that exists between God and between man. Because man has rebelled, right? Look at us. We have a propensity to live independent of God. And we violate our own standards of what's right and wrong. To say nothing of God's standards of right and wrong. And here's the dispute that exists between God and man in a nutshell. God requires that we are holy... And we are sinful, and that creates a complication. In fact, it gets even more complicated because God's justice demands judgment, and yet we're unable to pay it. See the dilemma that we have? So what ends up happening, we become deadlocked as humanity in our separation, in our relationship from God. We're doomed, ultimately, to remain enemies with God because we can't do anything about it, and we remain, as human beings who are rebellious, destined to a darkness in hell. That's really the whole indictment on humanity. And so what do we need? We need a, a mediator. We need someone who can fill the role of being a middleman or a go-between. So that's the role of a mediator. Now, the second thing we want to look at would be the requirements for a mediator. And I want you to turn in your Bibles to Job chapter 9. Job chapter 9. Job is hiding right in front of the book of Psalms. The book of Psalms is right in the middle of your Bible. So if you can find the middle, you can find Job pretty easily. But Job chapter 9. 
Now, what we're going to see in a moment from Job chapter 9 is that Job has a dream. And Job is thinking about the ultimate gift that he could get. And his dream, the ultimate gift that Job would like to have, is that there would be a mediator. You don't remember the story, if you go back to Job 1.1, that Job was a righteous man. You remember how everything unfolds? There was this series of disasters that begin to happen in his life. Ten of his children are killed. His ten children are killed. They're just gone. He has massive holdings financially, and they all end up either being stolen or are consumed by fire. On top of all of that, Satan afflicts him. He ends up with open, ulcerous sores over his entire body. Can you imagine what that would be like? Just think about that for a moment. Open sores from the top of your head to the bottom of your feet. And then there were three friends that Job had. You remember that? And and they, instead of comforting him, ended up criticizing him. One of them, by the name of Bildad, said, hey, look, the suffering that you're undergoing, because you're suffering, one thing you know is that God is judging you. You are being judged as a wicked man by God. That's why you have been assaulted with a series of calamities in your life. Now, with all that in mind as part of the background, let's dive into chapter 9 by beginning and looking at verse 32. Job is speaking here, and he's talking about God. And he says, For he is not a man as I am, that I may answer him, that we may go to court together. And he's really saying, I'd like to bring a lawsuit against God, but I can't do that because he's not a man like I am. And he says in verse 33, There is no umpire between us who may lay his hand on us both. I think in the NIV it says, there's not someone to arbitrate between God and me. The the New King James Version says, there's not a mediator. Here's what he's saying. He said, you know what my dream is? I would love to have a mediator. I would love to have an arbitrator. I would love to have a go-between. I would love to have a middleman who could stand between me and God. Who, as he says there in verse 33, who may lay his hand upon us both. Who may lay a hand on man on behalf of God and lay a hand on God on behalf of man. He's basically saying, I need somebody who could be on the same level with both of us. Someone who could communicate with both of us who could resolve the problem, who could settle the difference, who could bring resolution to the situation. In the New Living Translation, it says this, if only there was a mediator who could bring us together. And so for a mediator, in order to be effective, listen to this for a moment, they need to function on an equal level with each party In order to be a mediator, you you must be able to connect with both sides of the situation. And I hope all of this sheds a little different light on really the whole story of Christmas. That it sheds a different light on God becoming a man. 
that it sheds a different light on the incarnation, that it sheds a different light on the, the virgin birth. See, see, the whole idea of the virgin birth and Jesus coming to this planet was not some sort of a frivolous cosmic spectacle that God decided to do because it would be a cool thing to do. It was not, not some sort of an eccentric spin that he put on things to confound the skeptics about God. It was absolutely, totally essential and indispensable. You see, there needed to be a mediator And that mediator needed to be fully divine. That mediator needed to be deity to lay a hand on God, the Father, to function on an equal level with God, the Father, to connect with God, the Father. And to be a mediator, he needed to be fully man, to represent man, to be an intermediate agent for us to ultimately take man's place as a representative before God. So we've looked a little bit at this idea of the role of what a mediator does, and we've looked a little bit at the requirements. Let's just now dive into the third aspect, and that is the reality of the mediator that we have. Let's go back. Let's return to 1 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 5. This is all part of the Christmas story, men and women. 1 Timothy 2.5, let's look at it again. We read it earlier. It says, for there is one God. There's not three gods, there's not four gods, there's not six gods, there's not seven gods. You know, creation of this universe was not by a committee of a pantheon of the gods out there. There is one creator. There is one God. And it goes on to say, and there is one mediator also. There's only one middleman. There's only one arbiter. There's only one intermediary. There's only one go-between that exists in all of the universe. There's only one mediator between God and and men, between a God that is holy, whose righteousness demands judgment, and man who is sinful and rebellious, who cannot pay the penalty and cannot avoid the judgment. This is a magnificent verse. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. It's exciting to think about. You see, no one else qualifies. No one else has the credentials. No one else can lay his hand on both. Not Buddha, not Muhammad, but only the man, Christ Jesus. And because, we all know this, but we need to be reminded of it, because he was fully divine, he could act on behalf of God. And because he was fully human, he could act on behalf of man. But he needed to be a man, and yet a man without sin, uh, lest he need a mediator himself. And he needed to be God 
to take on the judgment for all humanity. What was the plan? How was he going to pull this thing off? But look at the next verse. Well, there's one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all. You have God and you have man. You have God in his holiness and his righteousness. You have man in his sinfulness and rebellion. And what Jesus Christ comes to do, this is the Christmas story, is he comes to build a bridge. And he builds a bridge between God and mankind, and he builds that bridge with his own blood. It says this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 21. He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf, that we might become the righteousness of God of God in him. I don't know if you've thought about this or not, but all this is really clearly pictured on the cross because you have Jesus hanging there and he is hanging on the cross between heaven and earth. Interesting to think about. He is hanging there between God's holiness and man's sinfulness. And he is giving his life. His sacrifice, his sacrifice fulfills the demands of divine justice. You know, it's amazing how much we go, yeah, I know that. Yeah, but do we know that? Does it hit us every week? Every day, his sacrifice fulfills the demands of divine justice. It brings reconciliation. It brings resolution. It reestablishes harmony between us and God. But it's not an automatic thing. Because, you see, you still have to submit yourself to the arbitrator. And that's ultimately what I had to do. That's part of the agreement that you make. You have to entrust yourself to the mediator. You have to entrust your eternal destiny to him. And we do that. We know that by faith and trust in Jesus Christ. But when we place our faith and trust in what he has done, we're in an environment of binding arbitration. God is going to guarantee to not go back on the promise to forgive us. You want, to, you want to talk about memorable Christmas gifts. You want to talk about a Christmas gift that is more than we can even imagine, that has more significance. The coming of Jesus at Christmas is one of those gifts. I don't know how many multiple centuries ago we go back to Job. But think about this. What Job dreamed of can be ours if we receive Jesus Christ. What Job dreamed of can be yours if you trust in him. Now, a lot of us were out looking at, at great deals for Christmas gifts over, over the last weekend, and hopefully you were able to find what you were looking for. 
And one thing about gifts, when a gift is given, it is a reflection of the heart of the giver. And the same thing is true of the gift of Christ as our mediator. It's a reflection of God's own heart. And sometimes people get this idea of God, that God is sort of this cruel, semi-twisted deity up there that just takes a lot of joy in seeing people suffer and seeing people have to pay the penalty for their own sins. But as we even sang about this morning, God's compassion and God's love is so much higher than that. He was willing to pay whatever price it takes whatever price it takes, so that we could have a very colossal, memorable Christmas gift of Jesus as mediator. Now, as we, as we tie our thoughts to a close this morning, as we do some life application, I have in mind two things. One is just a question, and the second one is a challenge, and the question is this, is he your mediator? You know, maybe you've even been around Wildwood for a long time, and you've heard a lot of these truths and stuff, but you have never come to the point in your life where you made this life choice to put your trust in, your, your rest in what Jesus Christ has done for you. I've, I've seen this happen many times. People can be around the message Being around the message doesn't get us there. It's when we say, you know what? That's what I'm counting on in my life. Could it be that you're here even today and you are ultimately trying to resolve this dispute on your own? There's this dispute between you and a holy God and you're thinking, I'll do something. I'll live a certain way. I'll do enough good. Or maybe it won't matter. I don't know. Or are you actually trusting on, counting on, relying on the person of Jesus Christ? Nothing could be more important than that. And I want to give everybody who's maybe never done that a chance to make that life choice to trust in Jesus. Is he your mediator? I I would pray that every single person who walks out of this facility today would be saying, yep, that's who I'm trusting in, that's who I'm believing, that's what I'm counting on. So so the first thing is just that question. A second thing is a challenge. And here's the challenge for us as we go deeper into the Christmas season, and that is to reflect and remember. You know, how many people have already bought everything they need to buy for Christmas? There's at least one person here. God bless you for being so organized. But most of us are still going to be out there hammering the streets looking for certain things that we need to buy as gifts. Here's what I I want us to do as we buy gifts this year and as we open gifts. Let's just pause and think for a moment. You know, we're going to receive some good gifts, but one thing about these gifts that we get at Christmas time, they're still temporal, they're still temporary. I don't know whatever happened to my bike. I really don't even remember. Somewhere along the line, I'm sure we decided to sell the thing, but, you know, it just loses its luster, and that's the problem with gifts from this world. We just need to remember that. 
good to get them, but they're still temporary. And then why we're, we're buying gifts and we're receiving gifts, can we just pause enough to remind ourselves and remember that we have a colossal, wonderful, memorable gift in Jesus Christ. And it has a lot more significance, really, than, than we even imagine. It's, it's a bottomless pit when it comes to understanding the significance of Christ being our mediator. So let's, just as we go through these next few weeks, let's reflect and remember. I like the way Chuck Swindoll put it. He put it this way. Remember that lonely night in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus agonized over the horror of paying the penalty of your sins. Remember that dark, friendless hour when he was arrested. Remember when he was beaten and whipped, spit upon and crucified. Remember when he bore the full weight of your sins and his blood was shed for your forgiveness. And then thank him. Thank him for being your middleman, for being your go-between, for being your mediator. What an incredible gift Jesus brought us. Let's pray together. Father, we just really want to thank you so much again for the gift of Jesus at Christmas time, and in particular today for that gift of Jesus being our mediator, being our middleman, and for the incredible story. And Lord, most of us know this story, but oh, can we just simply freshly thank you for it? And Father, for any who may be here who have never yet trusted in Jesus Christ as their mediator, may they remember there is no other mediator. You can't be your own mediator. But Jesus is available to be our mediator, and may they believe and trust and rest in the fact that he cared enough for them to come to this planet, to suffer, to die, to rise again triumphant, so that they might be reconciled, as all of us might be reconciled in a relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's an amazing truth. Thank you for reminding us of it today. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.